0: We're on The Record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. Each immigrant's experience is unique, but there are some universal elements. The debut novel by Susan Mawadi daraj proves the point. It's titled, Behind You is the Sea. It's a mosaic of stories that interweave experiences of Palestinian-American families in Baltimore. She'll be talking about it at Bird Hand Books later this month. Details about that event in a few minutes. Mawadi Daraj has also written two award-winning collections of short stories, A Curious Land, Stories from Home, and The Inheritance of Exile. She teaches English and creative writing at Harvard Community College and at Johns Hopkins University in the graduate writing program. Welcome to On the Record, Susan. Thank you for having me. You are Palestinian-American. How does this book echo your own family's experience coming to the U- U.S., or does it?
1: Well, I think uh, generally it does reflect that experience. My parents came to the U.S. in 1967 and I was born here. Um, However, my characters and their situations and their backgrounds are completely fictionalized. That's one of the best parts of being a fiction writer. I can just make up anything I want, which is a lot of fun. Um, But perhaps one element of the uh, experiences of these characters that is very similar to mine is that most of my characters are working class immigrants. So a lot of immigrants come to America and do very well, usually because they entered America already doing well. But a lot of immigrants come to America and have a hard time succeeding financially. And I think that my my family really struggled. We were I grew up working class, and I really want to try to echo the dignity and beauty. Uh, of working-class families' lives in this book.
0: Did your family come to Baltimore?
1: Actually, I grew up in Philadelphia, um, so that's where my family still is, largely. I uh, I have been in Baltimore for the last 24 years, however.
0: Each chapter reads like a short story itself. Each has a different narrator, but the characters are connected and move the narrative forward. Why did you structure it that way?
1: Well, I... I really feel um, that Palestinian Americans and Palestinians in general are really stereotyped in the United States. I mean, we're really presented as like a monolith mm-hmm. um, and there are so many uh, disastrous stereotypes about us. And I think what I was trying to do in this book is to offer a multitude of voices to show the range of experiences of Palestinians who are living in this country. So you have the voices of men, you have the voices of women, of children, of grandparents, of recent immigrants, of people who've been living here for a long time, of the children or the grandchildren of immigrants. So I'm trying to present like a mosaic of Palestinian-American life. Um, and, that's an, and, I, and I really get invested in each of my characters and I want them to have their own voice. And so uh, that's why I structured it like this. It was a deliberate choice.
0: Oh, sure. And there are so many different characters. The first one we meet is Rima, Mm -hmm. a teenager with a decision to make, although we learn pretty quickly she's already made it. Give us an idea about Rima's situation. So Rima is
1: uh, the daughter of, of immigrants who was born in the States, and her family has not been able to really succeed financially in America, which means that they live the way most Americans actually live, which is paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I hope a lot of Americans who read this book will f- will understand that and feel connected to my characters in that way because it is, it is something, class issues are something I think about a lot. But Rima is um, her father is dying of cancer and her mother is really traumatized by her experiences in America and sort of like her mother is sort of like receding. She she has She's kind of fading away and she's not really able to be present for her daughter. And Rima finds out that she's actually pregnant. She's still in high school and she finds out that she's pregnant. And even though she's a very successful student, she has a choice to make about this child that she's carrying, um, and the story is about her
0: decision. Who else in the book would you like us to know about?
1: Well, uh, one of my favorite characters is Marcus. Marcus Salama is uh, his family is friends with Rima's family, and he is a police officer. And he's actually his. He's in the. You, he shows up in the book a couple of different times, and he's one of the main characters. Um, But in his story, um, his situation is interesting because his mother passed away years ago and his father is really entrenched in sort of old-fashioned and old-fashioned mentality. And so the father has been left to raise Marcus and Marcus's sister. And Marcus's sister goes against some of her father's wishes. And so Marcus finds himself in this position where he's constantly negotiating between his father and his sister. And eventually there's a falling out. And Marcus really suffers under the pressure of being the bridge between his father and his sister. And meanwhile he's dealing with his own problems and his own conflicts and his own relationships. And I really liked his character quite a bit. So his story is the first story I wrote and I sort of branched out from that story and the other characters began to appear in Marcus's community in my mind. I Uh wrote this book over six years. Uh So yeah, so they sort of all kind of emerged from the woodwork around Marcus.
0: You've talked about how class has such a big impact on immigrants' lives, Um, and you also address in some of the stories race and Mm. prejudice. Talk about how you address those.
1: I'm a person who in my own scholarly work, I'm, I'm really interested in intersectional identity and the ways that people are, uh, their identities are shaped by class, by race, by sex, di- by gender, by other factors. And so I really look at all of those things when I create my characters. So I, I don't think that this is really a, just a Palestinian American novel. This is a novel, this is a feminist novel. This is a novel about class. This is a novel about being an immigrant in America. So um, in terms of race specifically, there is a lot of anti-Palestinian racism. Um, I've lived with it my whole life. There's a lot of um, negativity or like negative impressions of Palestinians. There's a constant depiction of us as a barbaric society. And so I you know, I I think it's easy to uh, dehumanize people that you don't know. And I think in this book, maybe one of the roles of literature, besides entertaining readers, maybe one of the roles of literature is to help people get to know communities that they're unfamiliar with. I hope my book does serve that purpose.
0: This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cass speaking with Susan Mawadi-Daraj about her new novel, Behind You is the Sea, stories of Palestinian-American families in Baltimore. It was just named a best book of January by Apple Books. Behind You is the Sea, where does the title come from?
1: So there's a a very famous historical um, story about the Muslim invasion of Spain, and there was a Muslim general named Tariq ibn Zayed who, to sort of spur on his troops when they landed on the southern coast of Spain, he um, he burned the ships in the harbor behind them, and he told them, "Behind you is the sea; before you is the enemy." And the idea—it's it's pretty bleak, but yeah. <laughs> you know—the idea is that there's no way home. You need to you need to survive in this land, uh-huh. and you need to go forward. And I think a lot of immigrants, no matter where they come from, but especially if they come from, especially if their homeland is a place they really can't return because of war, because of devastation, because of many other factors, they have to make it in America. And I don't think as a society we give enough credit to those immigrants. I don't think we can ever understand, unless we've lived it, what it's like to completely reinvent yourself in a new country and adapt to a country that has taken you in and that has given you a home. You, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of adapting you have to do, but there's a lot of grieving that you do because you're grieving your lost life, you're grieving your homeland, you're grieving your lost customs and your traditions. You try to maintain them, but that's also very hard to do. In fact, one of the things I emphasize in the book is how the parents really try to pass down their traditions and customs to the children. But the children, of course, are living their lives as Americans. And so there's a lot of tension in that. There's a lot of sense of betrayal that shouldn't exist, but it does exist. And, um, but that's where the title of the book comes from, this idea that you know my characters are in a situation where they have to survive, they have to make it here.
0: I'd love, listeners, to hear how you write. Would you you read a passage to us and tell us where it it comes from? Sure. Well, I'll read from
1: the first chapter, which is where we meet Rima, the -hmm. character we discussed earlier. And so Rima is, at this point in the story, she's at a moment where her father is uh, really taking a turn for the worse. So... Baba is getting worse, the nurse says. She talks to me sometimes because she doesn't think my mother understands her. She understands English, I tell the nurse, but she doesn't know what to really say. He has about a week, the nurse says, patting my shoulder with her large, strong hands. I'm going to make him as comfortable as I can. Comfortable means pain-free, which also means he's already dead to me. He won't hear me if he's drugged up. His eyes stay open, so I surround him with books and pictures. The books are the Arabic books he likes to read. They're pages thumbed and worn down so much that you can run your finger down the side and not get a paper cut. Some of them are Arabic language workbooks. He used the same books over and over when he was teaching me how to read Arabic. I wasn't allowed just to learn the dialect we spoke. I had to study Fusha Arabic, the hardcore classical Arabic, that they use only in fancy speeches and news talk shows. He spent a long time teaching me how to read and write, how to connect the letters together because Arabic is not printed. The letters mostly slide into each other, except for some letters. Some letters like Ra, Aleph and others are complex because they don't want to be connected. They'd rather cut a word in half than reach out and link to the next letter. My name is like that. The first letter is Ra, and it's separate from every other letter in my name. Sometimes when Baba would make me write it over and over, I imagined that the Ra was standing on an island, cast away from the other letters, watching as they
0: sailed away together. Talk about your process of writing. You have a family, you have multiple jobs, how do you prioritize Mm -hmm. this work? Well,
1: I, I hope anybody who's listening who is, um, you know, working full time but also has a creative life understands that, you know, it can be done. It, it's, it takes a lot of hard work, but um, it, I wrote this book over six years. It took me six years to write it. And I mostly, my process essentially is that I write early in the morning before the rest of the world demands my time. So I'm a 5 a.m. Uh, riser. And I write from once I've uh, you know consumed enough coffee to be awake. I write from about five a.m. till about six thirty a.m. And so this book was written in spurts. You know, five hundred words here, three hundred words there. Some days I only got a hundred words out. But once I had a final draft, it took me a couple of years to really, you know, once you have a draft, you kind of look at it and think, what what is this? Like, what do I have here? What am I trying to say or do with this book? And so it took me another couple of years to really edit, um, edit this work, and and try to like assemble it into into what you have what you have today. But that's my process. I mean, I really, maybe like an immigrant, I think hard work, you know, can make things, <laughs> can help you accomplish things. Maybe my parents' immigrant, uh, you know, values have been uh, really instilled in me more deeply than I imagined.
0: One element that hasn't come up in our conversation is that. Parts of this book are really quite funny. <laughs> so, I mean, did you deliberately try to include some parts that would make us laugh out loud, or did that just bubble up?
1: I, I, I did because I, I, think you know, there, you know, the Palestinian American community, the Palestinian community in general, you know, despite um, how we're portrayed, we are a jo- we are a community that is filled with joy, and we love a good joke. I mean. I grew up, I was very lucky to grow up in a family where um, there were years where we really struggled financially, but we were always laughing. We always. My father is a man who loves a good joke. He'll pay money for a good joke, you know? <laughs> and so I just, and I, and I do see a lot of humor in the process of assimilation. There's a lot of humor in that. There's, when, you, when two cultures kind of collide together, there are some really funny moments. And so I hope I've captured them in this book for the reader.
0: What does it mean to you to publish these stories about these families at this time in the world?
1: Well, um, I obviously wasn't expecting uh, the book to be out in this time. Uh, I think that the last three months have been really devastating for a lot of people. Um, I'll, I'll be very honest with you right now, Sheila, and tell you I don't really know how I've been able to function for mo- on most days for the last few months. And that's an experience that I know many people share with me. It's been very, very hard to see the devastation that's taking place. It's, it's, it's really hard to function. So I don't know if this book, um, I don't know how the reception of this book will be during this time, I do think, however, that one part of this current situation that's really bothersome to me and really traumatic to me is seeing the dehumanization of Palestinians in the media. And again, anybody who's from any marginalized community will tell you that once you dehumanize someone, you can do anything you want to them. I hope that maybe this book will help to uh, depict the, the I don't want to say the human th- I don't want to say this book will humanize Palestinians because we're already human um, we're worried about other people actually <laughs> we're, we, we, our humanity is intact but I think that maybe this book will help reveal some of the nuances the diversity within our community so that dehumanization will be a lot harder for people to, to accomplish
0: It is a very human mosaic of stories. Thank you for telling us about it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Susan Mawadi-Daraj teaches English and creative writing at Harford County Community College and Johns Hopkins University. We've been talking about her new novel, Behind You is the Sea. A week from Tuesday, January 16th at 6 p.m., she'll be at Bird in Hand Books in Charles Village, Baltimore in conversation with City Lit Executive Director Carla Dupre. We have more information at the On the Record page at wypr.org. Short break on the record when we're back, a Stoop Story. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us.